Welcome back to another episode of Product Thinking. I am Kyle Evans. This week, we're talking about the forest for the trees, zooming out to see the real problems. We have a beautiful outdoor shopping center near our home. It has many restaurants, some great stores. It's fun to just walk around. But one of the fundamental problems it has is that it is virtually impossible to get to without driving, even if you live very close to it. And when you're there, the sections are not pedestrian friendly either. You have to either cross a major intersection or a vast parking lot to get to the other areas, which is a little bit surprising for an outdoor walking shopping center. So zooming out a little further, there are virtually no sidewalks connecting our city with a shopping area or connecting most of our small city together in general. Like most suburban municipalities, our town is completely car-centric. When we want to bike or walk to parks or shopping centers or other points of interest, we are forced to use a variety of small sidewalks or even get onto the road to get there. The culture centers on driving. Even when there are sidewalks, most drivers aren't expecting or thinking about pedestrians, making it unsafe for those who aren't in cars. And while many large cities are more pedestrian-friendly, that's not the case for most cities in America, like many of us probably are aware of. And that goes for many cities in countries around the world. This has many causes, but as the article Five Reasons Why Walking Your City Most Likely Sucks states, quoting from that, this is common in most North American cities thanks to a combination of federal housing policy, single-use zoning, the influence of the automobile lobby, and an overreaction to industrialism. Walking in your city sucks because everything is too far apart. It's a, it's a complex problem that has many facets to it. But ultimately, it comes down to walking or using any other way to get around other than a car just ends up sucking. I had a great conversation recently on my other podcast, Product by Design, where Florian Daniel and I discussed this topic. Florian founded a company and is now working for another that is tackling many of these issues, trying to get people to drive less and ultimately change their commuting habits. And you can check out that conversation in the link that I have in this week's newsletter. And you can go over to Product by Design and check out you know that episode and other episodes where we talk about lots of these types of topics as well. It's a great conversation. So again, you can check out that link and you'll find it in the show notes. So why are we still here? Optimizing cars start let's start talking about that you know in the united states and around the world we have focused and continue to focus on optimizing cars and fuel efficiency we're focused on tweaking things within the system rather than questioning the actual system and i'm going to talk more on that in an upcoming newsletter post as well as podcast so look for that coming up soon i'm excited to kind of dive into it according to a press release on upcoming fuel efficiency standards from the NHTSA. 
quote, the new standards will increase fuel efficiency 8% annually for model years 2024 to 2025 and 10% annually for model year 2026. They will also increase the estimated fleet-wide average by nearly 10 miles per gallon for model year 2026 relative to model year 2021. We continue to optimize cars, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I think optimizing fuel efficiency is is really, really a good thing. And we see the same idea behind our growing obsession with coal-powered, <clears throat> sorry, electric vehicles. Electric vehicles, despite my tongue-in-cheek comment, tend to be better than gas-powered vehicles and will probably improve over time. You know, they're, they're already, they have already made vast improvements. And even if some of that is offset by the way that you know, they get power right now and you know some of the recycling of batteries and, and all of the things that go into that, they will continue to improve vastly uh, as, as we move forward. So those are great things. But we're tweaking within the system right now. We're, we're making changes and optimizing the cars that we use, whether that's the fuel efficiency standards, whether that's electric cars, whether that's other options, but that doesn't change the system in which we're using them. Let's also talk about optimizing for cars. So hitting close to home again, another story, we have a new highway being built around the edge of our city. We vehemently opposed it, but our Department of Transportation knows how to do one thing, and that's build new roads. And damn it, they're going to keep building new roads. When the only tool you have is a hammer, <laughs> you know the end of that. Far from solving the problem of traffic and congestion, new roads and highways drive more traffic and congestion. Quoting from an interesting article, it's the theory of induced demand. Building more roads and adding more lanes gives the appearance of speeding up traffic, but by encouraging sprawl, it spreads out stores, houses, and jobs, providing more reasons to drive more place and expanding many people's commutes. Uh, and that is ultimately what happens, this idea of induced demand. By increasing the either the number of roads, the number of highways, the lanes on those highways, we pull more people in to into driving. We incentivize it more and ultimately create the traffic and congestion that we were trying to alleviate rather than incentivizing other ways of doing things. We're, we're working again within that system. Wired also uh, had, had a great article on this point. Uh, what's up with that? Building bigger roads actually makes traffic worse. That talks a lot about the exact same idea of induced demand, where bringing more roads, more lanes, uh, pulls in ultimately more traffic. They also point out that it works in reverse. By reducing the roads, reducing the lanes, we can actually reduce the number of people driving. Uh, quoting from that article, perhaps the biggest success story has been in Seoul, South Korea, where the city tore down a highway that was considered a vital roadway corridor, carrying 168,000 cars per day. After replacing the cars with a river, parkland, and some smaller roads, traffic didn't get any worse, and many other things, including pollution, got better. So by going in the opposite direction, we can actually make improvements. We can we can actually rethink the system because 
we get stuck in our system. It's incredibly easy to get stuck in our system. We build roads because we've always built roads. We rely on cars because we've always relied on cars. We don't consider alternatives because we've never really considered alternatives. This is exactly what we saw when our state was considering a new highway. They did not consider alternatives to a new highway. The only viable options were where to put the new highway. No one ever stopped to ask whether a highway was even the right idea for the future or what other possible options there might be that would be better for solving the actual problem that we wanted to try and solve in a way that made much more sense for the kind of culture, the kind of community uh, that we wanted to have in, in the future. As Florian and I discussed on the podcast that I referenced, when you think about how much a new road and the road infrastructure costs, you could use that money to reward people for not driving or not taking their car and actually make money rather than paying for it or incentivize other types of behaviors or create different alternatives that become much more viable in the future and create the a system that is much different than the car-centric system that we have today. So zooming out a little bit, when we zoom out and consider the entire system, we're able to see that the problem may not be optimizing the existing, the existing system, but rather changing it entirely. Should we really be so car-centric as a society? Should we build our cities around the, the idea of driving everywhere? Or can we start to be far more friendly to other ways of traveling? And how can we accomplish that? Rather than optimizing the system, how can we blow it up and make a system that works so much better? As you look around, you'll start to see other systems that we're optimizing rather than questioning. I know I have, and I'm going to write about them soon. I'm excited. I have a, a running list of many of the systems that we continue to optimize rather than really take a hard look at changing. Because we get so caught up in the water we're swimming in that we don't see the problems all around us. And ultimately, that is at the heart of product thinking. So that is this week's newsletter and podcast, seeing the forest for the tree, zooming out to really understand the problems that are all around us. You can, of course, follow this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I'd love it. If you did, uh, you can also subscribe to the weekly newsletter. If you haven't done that already, you can find that at productthinking.cc. Check that out, either the free version or the paid version. Do either of those. Uh, you can support me in that way. And the work that I'm doing, uh, of course, you can follow us on social media at product thinking, just one T in the middle. And follow me at Kyle Larry Evans. And as always, keep questioning those assumptions. And we'll talk next time. <laughs>